0: The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is currently late Friday night, April 14th. And I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. First things first, apologies that it has been a little while since... Uh, We actually had had an episode. We ended up having one for the outrights for Monte Carlo. I'm sure a lot of you were expecting me to cover a couple of rounds in the middle of the week because that's what we did for several Masters 1000 events. However, with the early, early start time of roughly 5 a.m. for the matches, I realized that I didn't exactly have much time to record the episodes. If you are unaware, I do a lot of editing for SGPN, and I also do a couple of... YouTube projects and some other podcasts as well. So I was pretty busy most nights. And as a result, by the time I was actually done with everything, it was roughly two, three in the morning. And at that point, I wasn't going to rush a recording, get it posted. So 10 of you could watch, 10 of you could listen to it. And if I gave out a play, a lock or a dog on a match at 5 a.m., I figured it would be a disservice to all the other hundreds of people that listened to the show and wouldn't have been able to actually get the pick in. So I decided to just simply put skip it. But since I had some extra time on Friday night, you knew we were automatically gonna do an episode for the semis and for the final because that's tradition. But for the sake of the week itself, I thought about doing an episode for the quarters, but unfortunately that didn't work out either. So either way, we are officially back and we will resume the normal schedule. As for future tournaments, we'll keep an eye on doing an episode every other round. I think we are gonna stick with the same format, but I was going to f- include the quarters. So maybe one additional episode. If you want more, let me know. Either reach out to me on Twitter, if you're in the Discord chat on SGPN, or if you want to just, uh, you know, hit me up on Twitter, or you can just let me know. But the point is, I think we're going to stick with a similar format for most tournaments, but we will include the quarterfinals now. So we'll do the outright episode. Then we'll skip until the quarters, and then we'll do the quarters, the semis, and the final. I think that definitely makes sense. We'll aim for roughly four episodes a week for most tournaments. Uh, French Open, though, is an exception in Grand Slams. We will be doing an episode for every round, so just keep an eye on that. With the same exact format we had for the Australian Open, it makes the most sense. It's the most popular tournaments of the year. We will do an episode for each round, so keep an eye on that for Roland Garros. But either way, time to actually get into the recap of our picks from the outright episode. First things first, the outrights, not good. I'll be straightforward. In fact, I'm pretty sure we didn't win a single one. It was not good. uh We took a couple long shot flyers on some quarters, and those didn't exactly work out. Uh, you're looking at the predictions to win the event. We thought Djokovic would win it, and that did not work out. And we took a couple flyers, which did not work out either. So once again, didn't exactly do well at all in the outrights. But we also. Took a couple of flyers, so I'm assuming if you dispersed your units out, it wasn't that bad of a hit because a lot of the players that we ended up taking were long shots, so you probably didn't bet a full unit. You were probably betting a quarter of a unit, tenth of a unit, etc. So not great, but we took some home run swings besides Djokovic, and that didn't work out, but we we figured Djokovic would be pretty tough to beat and unfortunately he was battling a bit of an arm or shoulder injury which was pretty apparent there in the Musetti match which he eventually lost but we'll talk about that match in a second the point is Djokovic was our main option for the outright so we ended up losing there because he was even money but for the sake of the other players we just thought that nobody else would really beat Djokovic so we took some flyers for value but for the most part, we really didn't have much. So, yeah, once again, not a great episode for Outrights before the actual picks on the show ended up going okay. We split directly, evenly. I believe we made and lost 0 cents. 0. Our lock for the show was Dimitrov 2-0 against Shelton. It's my fault. Uh, for a year and change, I've been roasting Dimitrov, talking about how I think he's one of the biggest underachievers in the history of the tour. And then I proceeded to give him out like an idiot, on the lock segment, and instead he screwed us because he won the first set 6-1 against Shelton. Shelton looked completely overwhelmed on the clay, and Dimitrov was moving better. He was controlling most of the points. If you're watching the match, once again, 6-1 in the first set, you assume you're doing pretty well. And to make matters worse, it was Dimitrov winning 6-1, 2-2, love 40. So as far as I'm concerned, he had three match points because Shelton wasn't really close to breaking him up to that point. And then Dimitrov let him off the hook, Then Shelton got one break point and broke him. And then Dimitrov had a bunch of chances to break back in the final game of that second set, and he failed everyone and ended up losing the second set. So Dimitrov, I believe, went 0-8 for in break point chances in the second set, and Shelton went 1-1, for and he lost the second set. So Dimitrov screwed us never again. I posted it on Twitter, but I'll say it for the listeners out here who don't follow me on Twitter, maybe missed it. If I ever give Dimitrov out again as a lock or a dog on the show. If you see me in person, you have the right to punch me in the face. I'm not doing it. I hate that damn guy. No chance in hell. I know he's a nice person. I'm talking about as an actual betting option. I will never bet on Dimitrov again on the show, and I apologize for dragging you into it. But either way, we did have some luck with the dog. Ended up taking Gakov on the money line against McDonald. That was also roughly plus 148. So lost to 148. 10148. Depends on how you divided up your units. If you ended up having one unit on each play, then you made money. But if you ended up having to win a unit on uh, if you en- if you ended up having... I'm sorry, what was I going to say? If you ended up risking a unit on each play, you made money. But if you ended up doing it t- to win a unit for the lock and you bet a unit on the dog, you broke even. So Gakov got it done. Uh, he had a competitive match there with McDonald's. I, truth be told, never really heard of Gakoff. It was mostly just based on the track record on the Monte Carlo clay. I was a fan of Gakoff getting through qualifying. He beat a couple of decent clay players, beat Manorino, for example, uh, but he ended up getting the job done. McDonald had not played a clay match for about a year, and he is also not very good on clay. Good match, but I thought the line seemed a bit trappy, and we jumped it, and we were right. So nice to win there. And then he also gave himself a good performance there against Djokovic, ended up losing in straight sets, but did, I believe, serve for the set. Djokovic broke him, happens, and then Djokovic won the first set tie break. After that, Djokovic kind of settled in and Gakov lost the second set comfortably, but good performance by him, and I'll keep an eye on him for future clay events, probably in the challenger circuit. But he looked good. Uh, Lefty, crafty clay player. Couple of really nice drop shots and slice usage I thought he had a lot of weapons on the clay, and I think that that could bode well for him. The issue is the serve still isn't very good, so it gets broken a lot. But overall, I was kind of impressed by Gakov. I thought he looked pretty good, and it turns out Djokovic might have been physically compromised, as I'll mention in a second. But still, nice showing by him. Also a fan of the video that was going around with Gakov. And I think it was either his training partner or maybe his friend or his brother. I'm not really sure. But there was a video going around after he lost to Djokovic. You'd assume, you know, maybe he was upset because he had a chance to beat the number one player in the world. I don't know how realistic that chance is, but you're never really upset after defeat. Nah, Gakoff looked pretty comfortable. He was in his hotel room, and there was a video going around of him drinking alcohol while there's boxes of pizza and he's hanging out in the bathtub. So he was just having a great time after the match. Good for him. You know, I'm happy that he enjoyed his moment, his uh, time in the sun, so to speak. And he built himself some following. I'll definitely keep an eye on his matches. I thought he was a fun player to keep an eye on. And as a result, uh, yeah, good for him. But either way, he did us a solid, and we ended up splitting. So now I feel like the best way to get, to get into the actual recap for this tournament is going to be going through the actual paths of each semifinalist and trying to work backwards so first things first though I will talk about the Djokovic loss which was a bit shocking there to Musetti however there are a couple variables at play I'm not going to make excuses for Djokovic because at the end of the day you still have to beat the guy in front of you and Djokovic was playing he didn't make any excuses in the post-game presser or post-match presser which I found refreshing you hear a lot of players making excuses oh I was sick uh, the conditions weren't great whatever now Djokovic owned it. He just said Musetti was better than him today, and I respect him for being that straightforward. Were there other variables at play? Of course, but I, res- I respect the fact that Djokovic thought he could have played better and kind of owned defeat, so to speak. But that match was very weird. Ton of wind in Monte Carlo that day. Neither player could serve. I believe there was about nine breaks of serve and around 13 service games. So neither player could hold to save their lives. And that was really the story of the second set when each player broke each other like four times or so, it was something chaotic. But Djokovic, it seemed like as the match went on, really was struggling with his forehand, especially with just his overall form. He was hitting a lot of lob shots. I don't want to say they were moon balls, but definitely looping forehands, at least more than what he's accustomed to, Maybe it was the clay because Monte Carlo clay was causing some weird bounces and maybe Djokovic was so focused on keeping the ball in play and waiting for Musetti to make a mistake that he chose to uh, keep the ball a little bit more airborne with his forehand. But it did seem like he was battling a bit of an injury there with his elbow or his arm because he was wearing some type of sleeve, some compression sleeve. So keep an eye on that moving forward. But either way, Djokovic claims he's fine and we'll see how he does in the next couple tournaments but either way we said he got the job done nice job for him solid clay player unfortunately he ran into sinner the round after and he got buried but nice job for him best one of his career and for a guy who's been struggling for several months it was nice to see him getting a win that could help rebuild some confidence but anyway time to get into the actual uh semi here in the semifinal matches we're gonna go in chronological order here starting off with the early match at 7 30 a.m eastern time on saturday you have a matchup between Rublev and Fritz. Rublev is the slight favorite at roughly minus 120 on the money line. Fritz is roughly even money on the money line. As for the spread, Rublev minus one and a half games is plus 110. Fritz plus one and a half games is minus 140. Uh, you can get the over under in total games at twenty two and a half. and a half. Over is minus 117. Under is minus 103. If you want to get the sets, you can get three sets at plus 120. If you want Rublev to win in straight sets, that's plus two hundred. Fritz to win in straight sets is plus two twenty. I also have props for aces, breaks of serve, and double faults. As for aces, the total aces is ten and a half for both players combined, minus one fifteen on the other side. On each side, Fritz aces is over five and a half at minus one fifteen. Under is also minus one fifteen. And Rublev is four and a half over at minus one thirty five. Under at plus one o five. As for breaks, the over under and total breaks is four and a half. Over is plus 105. Under is minus 135. And the breaks of serve for each player individually is pretty close. Fritz to break three plus times is plus 115. For him to break two times or less is minus 145. And Rublev to break three times is plus 105. To break less than three times is minus 135. And for double faults, the total number is three and a half. Over is minus 135. Under is plus 105. And for each player... Same odds on both. It is going to be the over 1.5 at minus 145, under 1.5 at plus 115. So starting off with the actual head-to-head for these players, they did face off against each other several times in their careers. The problem is they were never on clay, so I'm not sure how much stocking put into those matches. But to go through the recent matches... Fritz has actually done very well against Rublev. So Fritz won the first meeting in Indian Wells back in 2018. Then Rublev beat him in the next-gen ATP Finals in 2018. That was best of five. Each set was to four instead of to six or seven, and Rublev won that one in five. Then they played in Dubai, and Rublev won that one in straight sets. And then Fritz kind of took over the rivalry because they played in Paris in 2021. Fritz won that one in straight sets, 7-5, 7-6. They played in Indian Wells again. And Fritz won that one, a 7-5, 6-4, and they played in Cincinnati in 2022. Fritz won that one in three sets, came back from a set down. So I'm not sure how much stock you can actually put into it because, once again, this is clay. But Fritz has impressed me on the clay. And going into this tournament, I did research on every player uh, with their clay history to find out who, especially among the favorites, can be a little bit underrated on the clay. And Fritz's name did come up. I did notice that Fritz was pretty decent on the clay. The issue was he was facing off against Sitsipas, who was the two-time defending champion. I was low on Sitsipas anyway, but I wasn't sure if Fritz would be able to get by. That was the section I was leaning to Dimitrov as an outright. At. I think it was like 8-1 to one just as a flyer because I wasn't sold on Fritz's movement on the clay. And I thought that if he wasn't able to fully defend serve, he wouldn't be able to generate enough break points to really offset it. But that really hasn't been an issue. In the first round, he beat Warenka uh, in straight sets. Very competitive tiebreaker in the first set. Ended 12-10. Then he beat Leshika from a set down, actually, in the second round. Lost the first set 6-4. Won the final two sets 6-4, 6-1. And then he destroyed Sitsipas in yesterday's match. Ended up winning the first set 6-2. Then he ended up going up a break somewhat early in the second set. Gave it back and then immediately broke back. And ended up holding to win the match. So a nice win there by Fritz. Probably his most impressive win ever on clay. And you're looking at Rublev in his recent performances. Rublev has been good as well. Like you're looking at his level of competition. He has played, I would say, weaker competition. He ended up beating Munar in three. Munar's a good clay player, but that match was a bit iffy early on. But truth is Rublev hadn't played a clay match for a while. So I'm not, I wasn't surprised that Rublev might have struggled early on, and then he woke up and he won comfortably. After that, he beat Kakanov in straight sets, won that one seven six six two, 7-6-6-2, and then he beat Struf 6-1-7-6, which was a bit shocking that Stroof made it that far. He had a very good showing against Rude, which he won uh, the round prior. So Rublev had a pretty fortunate draw facing off against Struf in the quarterfinals, and he won in straight sets. But once again, Munar. Kakanov and Skroof, not exactly a murderer's row of competition compared to Fritz. Now, Fritz, once again, you can argue, well, post prime Warenko, what does that mean? I'm, I'm like, all right, okay, that's fine. It's a fair point. I think Electric is actually good on clay. Just watching him against Dimitrov, I actually think he's a good up he's a good young player whose game actually translates quite well to clay. So I actually do like that win. You can argue that Kakanov was a more impressive win for Rublev, but Kakanov has never really been known as being a good clay player. He's fine, but I think Leshika is a pretty underrated guy on clay, and I think the Pass win takes the cake. Once again, I didn't take Tsitsipas in any outrights because I didn't trust him based on current form, but Tsitsipas was the two-time defending champion, and Fritz beat him really without a sweat. So I think based on current form, I think this is worthy of being a coin flip. I think this match could go either way. I think if you're asking me which way I'm going to go, I think I'm actually going to lean to Fritz. I think even money on a coin flip is the way to go. The fact that Fritz, even though it wasn't on clay, the fact that Fritz has won each of the last three meetings, I do think will give him some added confidence for this particular match. And I think you'll end up seeing Fritz look pretty sharp with a serve. Rublev looked very good in the first set against Stroof, ended up winning that one 6-1. And then the second set was an adventure because that ended up going to a breaker. Uh, To look at how the second set unfolded though, just to go through the actual serving numbers for Rublev. So the second set uh, just pulling it up quickly. Rublev ended up hitting 63% of his first serves, ended up winning 77% of his first serve points. The issue was the second serve, he only won uh third. he only won th- just doing the math here. Yeah, he only won 39% of his second serve points, which has me concerned because I do think Fritz, if he is able to get to Rublev's second serve, he might be able to do well in the rallies. And I think you'll end up seeing Fritz's serve potentially dominate this match based on how good Fritz's serve normally is. And if Fritz gets into a rhythm, I have more faith in Fritz's serve controlling the service games more than Rublev's. Not to mention the fact that Fritz is also a taller guy, so he should be more likely to actually get his racket on to more solid serves compared to Rublev. But either way, the it was pretty interesting. Rublev got broken, did not fight off any of the break points. He only faced one, got broken immediately. Struff did fight off several. He ended up fighting off six of seven, but he got broken that one time, and Rublev eventually won by tiebreak. But still, Rublev has been good. I still think he's a little bit vulnerable at times in longer rallies because he constantly goes for and I think that he could hit some unforced errors. And Fritz has done a pretty good job of adjusting his game, especially on the clay, to still generate power without just constantly trying to go for winners. It seems like he's actually not afraid of rallying a bit, which has paid off for him, which is why he's in the semis. And he did pretty well in some of the rallies against Tsitsipas, which I think was impressive. But I think based on where the odds are located, I am going to lean to Fritz. The fact that he's won three straight against Rublev, the fact that he looked very good against the defending champion, and once again, Rublev was kind of handed a gift there against Struf in the quarterfinals. I think I'm going to lean Fritz in that one. I am going to lean to the over, though. I think three sets is a pretty reasonable assumption for this match. Now, for the sake of the actual odds, 120, I'm not totally sold on for the value. I don't think it's really great odds. I think Once again, I mentioned this in previous shows. I think the lowest price I'd ever take two and a half sets with would be 125 or 130. I think for the sake of this, I'd rather take the 23 and a half games at plus 105. And that way, if you end up having a 7 6, 7 5 type match, you win anyway, even if player A wins both sets. So, for the sake of my favorite plays in this match, I am going to lean to Fritz uh, on the money line. And I do like the over 23 and a half games at plus 105. I think you either get two long sets or you get three sets. And either way, you end up cashing. Now, as for the actual props, I really don't have much. I have to keep an eye on the Monte Carlo wind because the double faults could be appealing since it has been a relatively windy tournament so i got to quickly research how the wind is going to be for tomorrow's matches if it's north of like 15 miles per hour i would bet the double faults uh but looking at the actual weather for the early morning it's not that bad it's mostly seven mile per hour winds so that should not be a concern i am going to point out though in the afternoon it is supposed to rain so hopefully the Sinner and Rune match gets finished before the rain comes. So we'll see what happens. But the point is, weather's not going to be a factor. So I think I have to pass on the double fault props because I feel like some of the double fault stats are inflated across this event because of how bad the wind was for a couple of days. As for the breaks of serve, that one's interesting. Since I think the match goes three, I probably wouldn't mind the over on either guy. I think you might see some breaks. As for aces... I think I'd lean to the over on both guys. Both guys are still good servers, and I do think that even though it is clay, you still should see both players generate some tremendous speed with their serves. So I'm kind of leaning to the over for both players on aces, but nothing really a strong that I... No, I don't have an opinion that's strong enough to actually lock in any of those bets, but I would lean to the over for the aces. But anyway... Moving on to the final match in the semis, you have Rune taking on Sinner. Now, Sinner is a pretty hefty favorite at minus 180, and Rune is plus 160. As for the games, Sinner is minus two and a half at minus 120. Rune plus two and a half games is even money. You can get Rune plus three and a half games at minus 150, Sinner minus three and a half games at plus 120. As for the over under, 21 and a half games. The over is minus 125, under is plus 105. As for the alternative number, you have 22 and a half games over is minus 105, under is minus 125, and if you want th- if you want three sets, that's available at plus 130. Center to win in straight sets is plus 155. Rune to win a set is minus 185, and Rune to win in straight sets is plus 300. As for the aces, low number, the total is four and a half. Rune over one and a half is minus 185, under is plus 155, and for center over under two and a half the under is minus 130 the over is even money as for the breaks of serve five and a half the, to- the total number the combined over is plus 115 the under is minus 145 and for individual players Rune three plus breaks is minus 110 on the over uh or three plus yeah it's on the the over is minus 110 and the under three or under two and a half in this case is minus 120 and for sinner over three and a half breaks is plus 135. Under three and a half breaks is minus 165 for double faults. The over-under combined is four and a half. Over is minus 120. Under is minus 110. Rune, three plus double faults is minus 145. Under two and a half is plus 115. And Sinner, two double faults is minus 135. Two or more is minus 135. And one or less is plus 105. So to go through the actual serving numbers for each player, because at first glance, the center aces seems a little bit low at one and a half. That seems extremely low. And I just want to go through center's numbers uh, just so I can confirm. Sorry, it was two and a half. The two and a half and even money seems like it's a pretty low number. So I do want to quickly go through it uh, just to see how center performed aces wise. So against Musetti in his last match, he ended up having one ace. So that's not a good start. Uh, against Herkaz, that was a pretty long. Wo- that was a pretty long match. when three, Sinner fought off a set point in that one. Uh Sinner ended up serving three aces compared to Herkaz's fifteen. Against Schwartzman, I can't really use because Schwartzman quit after ten games. So Sinner hasn't exactly been great at serving aces. So I think I actually take it back. Uh, based on his numbers this tournament, the aces have not been there. So I'm actually going to pass on the Sinner aces. But anyway, to get into the actual head to head between these players, Sinner has performed. Okay, uh, they only played one time. Rune won the match, but it was competitive. They played on hard court in Bulgaria in 2022, and Rune won that one in three sets. Technically, it was not officially three because Sinner retired down 5-2 in the third. He won the first set 7-5, and then lost the next two sets 6-4 and but it looked like he was about to lose, and Sinner realized, I'm injured, no moss, and he ended up leaving. So, Sinner was battling an injury throughout that match, so I am curious how when that injury started. I don't have that information in front of me, but I do think this match should be close. I think it's a little bit interesting that Sinner is this big of a favorite. I know that he just demolished Musetti. He was also very fortunate that Musetti beat Djokovic. Uh, because that's why I was staying away from center in this particular tournament. But he beat Herkaz. Herkaz, okay, clay player, not great. Beat Schwartzman, which is the definition of a buy. He won 6-0-3-1. You're looking at Rune though, and Rune has looked really, really good. And I do think as a result, he might be undervalued in this particular match. Now, to look at who he's faced off against, he hasn't exactly faced off against the toughest competition. Faced off against Team. Team we know is not the player he used to be. 1-0-1 in straight sets comfortably, 6-2, 6-4. Then he had a bye because Berrettini ended up winning his match against Sarandolo, but he got injured and ended up quitting. So Rune won by walkover, and then Rune beat Medvedev in straight sets yesterday. We know Medvedev isn't the greatest clay player. We also know he was off a three-set marathon against Verev. So Medvedev might have been gassed, and he also isn't the most comfortable on clay but Rune looked really, really good. And I do think as a result, these odds are a bit off. I think Sinner should be favored, but I think minus 180 is way too high. I think Sinner should be closer to 130, 140 in this match. So the value alone suggests to me that Rune is the play. As for the actual games, I don't mind the plus 2.5 or 3.5. 3.5 is safer, but it's minus 150. 2.5 is even money. Even money doesn't bother me because I know that Sinner could lose a set. Rune, once again, has looked very sharp on clay. And that's how I got to know him on clay. Last year, if you remember, I was missing on a couple of clay events because I kept giving out Rune every week, and he was struggling. But I just remember him always being a solid clay player. And the fact that he was very good on hardcourt last year was a bit of a surprise. It was kind of like Casper Rude, just make the comparison, where I always knew this guy was very good on this surface, but he randomly just proved he was good on, on another surface last year. But Rune's bread and butter is clay. Sinner's bread and butter, in my opinion, is hard court. You can argue he's very good on clay as well, which he is, but I do think Rune has some comfort on this court, which makes him a pretty live dog at plus 160. I like the over in this match as well. I think you'll see a competitive battle. Maybe it goes three. I don't mind the plus two and a half sets there at 130. Uh, I'm not going to take the games at 22 and a half. You could... And if there's a breaker and it's 6-4, you win. But since there is a $0.35 cent differential between the 22 and a half games and the sets, I think in this case I'll take the sets and I'll go for the extra $0.35 cents of profit. But either way, I think Rune is quite alive to win this match. Sinner, if he wins it, would I be shocked? No. But based on where the value is in this match, based on the odds, the value for me is on Rune because I don't think Sinner should be minus 180. But anyway, that's going to wrap it up for the actual predictions for the semifinal matches now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks but before you get into that kind have of a quick word from our sponsor we're brought to you by shady rays shady rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pairs that we've worn durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures that's not all shady rays also offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear every pair of sunglasses right every pair is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after purchase. And on top of that, they have a great deal for you right now, exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN for 50% off. Two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The shades rated five stars by over two hundred thousand people. Make sure to check out our NBA playoff survivor challenge. Completely free to enter, and the winner gets two hundred fifty dollars cash and a one hundred dollars SGPN gift card, exclusively on the SGPN app. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is a great place to get down on fantasy and player props all year long. Underdog Fantasy has your favorite NBA, NHL, and MLB daily games. Plus, they're also doing. Best ball drafts already for the 2023 NFL season. Head over to unrankfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for an 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the semifinal matches in Monte Carlo. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks for the show. Starting off with the lock, I am going to go back to that Fritz and Rublev match, and I am going to go with the over 22 and a half games. At minus 117. Once again, I mentioned that I like the over 23 and a half at plus 105 compared to the two and a half sets and the overs plus 120. However, I'm going to play it safe and I'm going to take the minus 117 on the 22 and a half because with Fritz. I definitely could see a tiebreaker being played in this match. And I do think that 7-6-6-4 is a reasonable possibility in this match. Or it goes 3 and you basically win automatically. Or maybe a uh, a 7-5-7-5 or 7-5-7-6. But the point is both players are good at serving. They're both uh, solid at... Returning, but at some point you do kind of wish you saw a bit more consistency from each of their return games. So I do think that each player could get into a rhythm with their serve and you might see a decent amount of holds. There's only expected to be roughly four breaks in this match since the under four and a half total breaks is minus 135. So since breaks are limited, at least compared to expectations, I think you'll see a couple of longer sets. And for that reason, I do like the over 22 and a half. Uh, To go through the head to head one more time, the last meeting was in... Three sets on hard court, but you're going through the matches here, and there's been a lot of long sets. Now, once again, it is hard court, so bear with me. But you had two separate sets in the last matchup that had at least twelve games. You had one of the two sets in the previous match go to twelve games. Then you had a seven-five-seven-six match in 2021 in Paris. Rublev won in 2021 comfortably. You had a five-set thrower in the next gen. Uh, in 2018, but once again, that's first to four in each set, but still you had a couple of shorter tiebreakers and it went five, and they played in Indian Wells, and that was six, four, seven, six. 7-6. But once again, it's on hard court, but you have heard a decent amount of 7-5 or 7-6 sets in there. It seems like when these two get together, you tend to see a lot of grueling sets, and as a result, I am going to go with the over 22.5 games at minus 117 in the Fritz Rublev match as my lock. And for my dog, you know what? I am going to go with the do I want to go with Ru, do I want to go with Rune or do I want to go with the actual sets here? That's the tricky part. Because Rune physically can occasionally wear down, which is why I have a hard time taking him nowadays. But I do think he's quite live to win this match. I really thought about the sets, but I'm tr- I I can really you make a case for either one. I, I think that rune has value on the games, on the money line, and on the sets you know what? My first instinct was actually going to be on the sets, so I'm going to go with the sets here. Give me the over two and a half sets at plus one thirty in the Rune and Center match. They played one time in their careers, one three on hard court in Bulgaria. Once again, can't really use it because it was on on hard court. But but you're looking at Rune. He's looked very good. He hasn't faced off against the greatest competition. Medvedev, we know, is not exactly the best player on clay, so I do think that Rune will still look good, but I do think Sinner will offer more resistance, and Sinner has looked good, but he has been vulnerable. Herk has took him to three, and he destroyed Musetti, but once again, Musetti was off an emotional high beating Djokovic, and I wonder if Musetti was just naturally going to have a letdown. Plus, it was also a three-set marathon, roughly three hours. There was also a bit of a delay in the middle of the match because of rain, so Musetti wasn't exactly in a good scheduling spot but Sinner got the job done. However, I think both players will end up having a war, and I do think you'll end up seeing a very close and a long match. So once again, my lock and dog picks for the show are going to be two long matches, at least that's my expectations and hopes. I have the over 22.5 games at minus 117 in the Fritz and Rublev match as my lock, and my dog is the Rune and Sinner match over two and a half sets at plus 130. Once again, we're back later for... The actual final preview most likely going to be recorded on, I'd uh, say Saturday night. Uh, I'm assuming uh, if the weather isn't going to be an issue and all the matches get done early, which it should, because the matches once again are projected to finish before the rain comes, then we will be back at some point in the uh, sk- we'll, we'll be back some point on Saturday. So just keep an eye out for it. I don't think I'm going to wait until two three a.m because the match and the final should be relatively early. So for that reason, we'll probably aim for a mid afternoon type of recording. But either way, find me on Twitter, Right Show Radio. And until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye everyone.